Hey everybody, it's Greg Penix, and this is the Fantasy Comic Book Editors League, issue number 26, and uh, there's a lot to go over here, but um, let me look at my list here, so, eh, I miss talking to you guys, and um, I'm in a weird state right now. I'm well. I'm drunk like normal. I I worked at a bar where I work. I'm a karaoke host, and they give me free drinks, which is probably stupid on their part. And I was drinking before that at a party. I went to a birthday party, and so, and then I came home from the bar and drank some of my own home booze, and talked to a f- my best friend in Hawaii on FaceTime. So I should go to bed. It's, I think it's four in the morning. Yes, it is. It's like, wait, yeah, it's four in the morning, Portland time. And, but um, I don't know. I'm just uh, in a tizzy. I don't know if I can go to sleep. I have... This weird thing that's never happened ever to anyone. And it's it's weird. It's not terrible. It's a it's a good thing, I guess. Because I have a tiny little heart. That's been my problem my whole life. It's a frozen pea. My heart is like a frozen pea. Everyone knows that it thaws a little. But I know this person who's made my heart thaw a lot. And yet, I'm like asexual. I've been for five years. I know it's like this trendy thing. Like I identify as this, but it just happened. I didn't want it to happen. I liked being sexual. It didn't work out that often. I was pretty bad at it. (laughs) At getting people to want to be sexual with me. But, you know, I had some great times. I, I, I made out a little. It was nice. I had some great girlfriends in my life and some great loves. But for the most part, there's a lot of in-between times of just like, oh, I like this person. I can't. I don't know how to make them like me back. Because um, you probably have discerned from just hearing me talk. And what a loser I am that I would make this podcast, this insane podcast. I'm kind of, you know, I'm not very attractive. It's always an uphill battle. But I have succeeded a few times somehow. By the grace of God, and I'm saying that as an atheist, some grace of something. I have, I, I really shouldn't bitch and moan because I can't believe how lucky I've been in my life. Some of the girlfriends I've had are, like, fucking awesome. I'm still their friend to this day, even though it didn't work out, you know, that way. But it's just weird. Like, I'm in this position where I'm, like, 53. I've been asexual for, like, four years. And I'm just... I have a friend who I just think about, just like I used to, about girlfriends that I was crazy about. But I want to have sex with them. But without the element of sex involved, I was just like, no. Yeah, I guess that's a friend. 
it can't be anything more because I don't want to have sex with anyone, even her, even though she's the most, and that's what makes it confusing is that she's the most beautiful woman I've ever met in my life. And so it's just weird. Wow, I'm really going off tangent here. But to be honest, this is a mental health podcast, even though it is about comic books for the most part. But um, I guess I just had to basically uh, vent with you. And if you're listening to this, I don't think anyone listens to the po- this podcast anyway. It's just my, uh, you know, self-help therapy that I do. But um, it's weird. It's just interesting. It's weird. But it's almost like having a schoolboy crush when you were like 10. 10 10-year-olds don't want to fuck the girls that they have crushes on. Or the girls don't want to fuck the guys they have crushes on. But you still, like, really love being around that person. And every minute you just want to... Every day you're just like, I want to see them. I want to talk to them. So it's just kind of weird at this point in my life. It's confusing. But it's kind of nice. Because having a frozen pea heart, a little tiny shitty heart that doesn't work. It's It protects you. It's nice not to um, have pain, rejection, because you don't care. But it's also not really a way to live for a human being. I mean, that's like living like a dog. Maybe even less than a dog. Dogs care. It's like living like a fucking nutria or possum. (laughs) Some animal that doesn't really have much emotion. I don't know why I'm rambling. Sorry, guys. Because we have really important shit to talk about. We have the Amazing Comics group. The the best comic company that never existed. But in my brain, it is so fucking good. And it's... the, The comics that have come out in my brain from 1940 till now. We're up to 1986 now. They're so good. And... If they really did come out, they would have been the best comics ever. And they're so good. So let's get to 1986, shall we? And maybe I will erase this episode after I hear it, because this was ridiculous. I'm sorry I did that. I just, uh, yeah, this is how I, this is my therapy. It's a mental health podcast, everyone. Don't forget. 1986, new title. Coming out, and this is going to be an interesting one, and I always wish there was a comic like this. Actually, there was. Once again, I'm kind of stealing from our reality, but it's a little different. So, the new title for 1986 is Nemesis. So, he's a super-powered, maybe not super-super-powered, but just like he's got some amazing abilities. And, but he's a villain. So it's going to be our first comic book that's like, yeah, the title character is a bad guy. But he's fucking brilliant. And whatever. And, okay, I'm stealing from Grendel. 
if you guys grew up in the 80s or read comics from the 80s, one of the best comics of the 80s was Grendel. And it was about this amazingly charismatic, brilliant, basically his brain was like the most high-functioning motherfucker ever. But he was evil. He he was committing crimes. He was, you know, had a mob. And he succeeded in everything he did because he was fucking the smartest motherfucker in the room. In any room he was in. And it was created by Matt Wagner. And he wrote and drew it. Later on, he just wrote it. And then other artists would draw it. And then later on, he would get other writers and artists to just draw tales about him because he created such a great character. And even after the character died, just the whole idea of Grendel continues throughout history, science fictional history, the future. And really brilliantly written. Like every variation of Grendel and the Grendel mythos that continued into the future. Like Matt Wagner is a really fucking good writer. He's a good artist too. He's actually a great artist. Definitely nobody draws like Matt Wagner. It's this very stripped down style, very graphic. Um graphic design I mean, not graphic violence. And but his writing He's written a lot of stuff over the years. It's all great. It's not like Alan Moore great or, you know, like, it's not going to change the world. But as far as just writing amazing genre stuff, this guy, when he was like a young man, he already had that shit down. He knew archetypes, good storytelling. He's a great storyteller. So Nemesis will be written and drawn by Matt Wagner. And I am kind of stealing Grendel. But I also am like in the Amazing Comics universe. He's it's not going to be like Grendel. Because he's going to fit in. So he'll be like fighting all the other heroes that we've intro- introduced over the past 40 years or 30 years. But he'll also be having these amazing adventures. And I always like the idea of that too. Like, yeah, give the villain a comic like... I think they're starting to do that. Like, certain villains are so, like, marquee, marquee names. Like, you know, Joker's got some miniseries. But even in the early 70s, I remember as a kid being so fascinated. It wasn't the best comic. I didn't love it. But, like, the Joker. DC gave the Joker his own comic. I think it lasted, like, five issues. But I just loved that idea. I was like, yeah. I want to read a comic about a, the villain as the main character. And see what he's up to. With that Batman coming around and fucking up his shit. So. I think it was, it'll be a really interesting addition. To our universe. Having this whole title. About this great villain. And. Uh, so. Uh, yeah there you go. Once again I'm just stealing Grendel. But. If Grendel. Was incorporated into like a superior universe. Because just the guest stars, every fourth issue, you could have, like, Vigilante will try to fuck with him, and he'll beat him. And Arsenal, and all the superheroes we've introduced, maybe Youth Brigade, all these goofy superheroes. Fuck, even Thor might, like, say, what's up with this nemesis guy? 
and he'll like beat a god because Nimbus is fucking a genius. So in a way, even though we have Night Ranger, but Nemesis is like basically our Batman. Where he is that he has, doesn't have many superpowers, but he's so fucking smart. He always comes out on top, even though he's fucking evil. And uh, a conf- interesting, complex, conflicted character. So um, that year, um, the Amazing Tales Annual is gonna still be. Chapter 3 of The Ring of the Nibelung by P. Craig Russell. So that's going to be fucking beautiful. And uh, P. Craig Russell doing what he always loves to do. He loves doing operas, adaptations. He he loves opera. And so it'll be nice. It's, it'll definitely be a labor of love. Just like when he did The Ring in the 90s for Dark Horse. Maybe that was the early 2000s. Yeah, that was a fucking labor of love. And uh, if you ever have extra money and you want to go on eBay and get that nice collection, beautiful leather-bound, it's probably pleather-bound, I don't know. I doubt it's real leather. I mean, that's a fucking beautiful book. And uh, I'm very glad it's on my bookshelf right now. So, moving on to 1987, we have another new title, Vanguard. By Howard Chaikin. Now, Vanguard, as far as, like, superpowers or whatever, I don't even know. I have never even figured out what... He's just a superhero. I, I don't even know if he has superpowers. Maybe he's just, like, a strong guy who's a good fighter. But the whole point of Vanguard is that... I read this article, like, ten years ago about the early Superman issues. When Superman came out, Superman was like, the reason why he was so popular, imagine it's 1938, he, by Action Comics number one, it's the Depression, the Nazis are fucking rising in power throughout Europe, um, you know, most like capitalists are like grinding down everyone during the Depression. They're like, we're billionaires and fuck everyone else. And people read this comic. It was like, I wish there was someone like this with superpowers who could change things. And Superman actually did. some. He has many early stories where there was one where some like shitty mine owner who owned like a copper mine or some kind of mine. Like he's a like most mine owners, he was just like his. There was a big crash or cave in, and he's just like, ah, let him die. I'll just hire some more other guys. And Superman grabs him, well, rescues the guys in the cave in, and grabs this guy by the scruff of the neck and puts him down in the caved in mine and says, How do you like it? I'm gonna leave you down here. And the guy's like, No, Superman, I'm sorry. And Superman, of course, takes him out. And the guy actually has a change of heart. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I get it. I should treat my workers like human beings and respect that they deserve to live and take care of them, which would never happen in our world. It never did. But, and then I think there's issues where, like, Superman breaks up domestic violence. Like, 
These are all things that in our world, they just happen. And what can you do? You know, like, we don't have the power to fix all these horrible things that happen. Like, so, but then, of course, after, like, five years, Superman just, like, started fighting Lex Luthor, who was just like, I want to take over the world. Why do you want to take over the world, Lex Luthor? I don't know. I just want to take over the world. It's, like, ridiculous. Who wants to do these things, these supervillain schemes? There's, there's no... I can't picture anyone giving a shit about that. But, yeah, and then they, they forgot that that's the pure selling point of the initial superheroes. That here's someone with some kind of crazy power, superpower, they can actually take care of the shit that nobody seems to. You know, like, cops can't take care of everything. They can't stop a corporation from poisoning children by illegally dumping toxic waste to save some money and giving, like, a million kids leukemia. That's not really, like, a crime. You know, it is. But what happens is that nobody goes to jail and they get fined $8,000, even though they saved a million dollars by illegally dumping it instead of properly dumping their toxic waste or treating it. So this is what Vanguard's all about. Vanguard's a superhero. He isn't like, he's not on the streets fighting muggers. Cops can take care of muggers. Cops can take care of street-level crime. They, they can do that just fine. Vanguard's the guy who actually will find the CEO who dumped illegal topic toxic waste and killed killed more people than like the Joker does. Like somehow that's okay in our world. There's CEOs of corporations who have a wife and kids. Everyone in their neighborhood loves them. Oh yeah, that's Hank. He's great. And yet he goes to work because he works at a corporation. And once he's in that corporate mindset, he's like, we have to maximize profits. So we have to illegally dump this toxic waste and maybe give a 1,000, 4,000 kids leukemia because our bottom line is more important. This happens every day. Vanguard's the guy who says, fuck you. <laughs> no. So that's why I really wanted this to be drawn by Howard Chaikin. He'd probably write it too. Because definitely by the 80s, Howard Chaikin was writing even for other artists. He's a great writer. In comics, like, nobody writes like Howard Chaikin. His comics, even in the 70s, he's writing more adult shit than the best writers out there, even though he was primarily an artist. But he just has a smart sensibility he definitely has a liberal outlook so he would love to it's right up his alley but vanguard would be that superhero who's like yeah i'm not gonna stop muggers um i mean he's gonna be in trouble a lot <laughs> the government's not gonna like him and he might be like trying to fuck with the government when the government does egregious things which the American government has forever. 
he might be there and be like, no, this isn't right. I'm, I'm taking down the head of the CIA for this really horrible thing, which was wrong. So that's Vanguard in a nutshell. Don't even know what his powers are. Maybe he's just like a, like Batman, you know. He has no powers, but he's smart. He's a good fighter. But maybe, he probably should have some powers because he's going to be taking on bigger foes than most superheroes. He's taking on, like, all of American capitalism and government. And uh, so he's going to have a lot of enemies. But he's he's a hero. He's not like Nemesis, but he probably will be almost like Nemesis where more straight-laced superheroes might be like, hey, you can't do that. That's too vigilante-ish. And he might have to school him and say, no, it's not. Like this CEO killed more people than any of your supervillains ever did. He literally killed a thousand kids by this bullshit thing he did to save a little money. So that's Vanguard. So, and uh, the Amazing Tales annual that year in 1987 is the final chapter, the fourth and final chapter of The Ring by P. Craig Russell. So, God, I, that's nice. I, I almost said, like, oh, God, I wish I could see that comic, but he eventually did do that in our world, so I have those comics. But I almost think that, like, I almost want to see P. Craig Russell in 1984 and 86 and 87 do the ring more than when he eventually did do it. I just, you know, he was a different artist at the time. Okay, so there's a lot of artists with Drews. And I'm already really tired and drunk. This is like work. I'm scared now. Okay. Okay, I don't even know where to start. So I'm just going to go down the list. So Gunhawk, our generic Western character... And I say generic, but he's a great Western character. It's like, over the past 30 years, I guess 37, 35 years, Gunhawk is, if you read Gunhawk all those years, all those decades, you'll know the whole history of, like, what happened in the West. Gunhawk's been running around the whole West. And so he met everyone. Marble Hickok and Geronimo and... Whatever. He's getting all these interesting adventures. But there's still probably plenty more to tell. And that's why it's still going. And so, this is going to be good. Taking over on Gunhawk in 1987. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. And, like, to be honest, it doesn't matter what title he's drawing. He was such a great comic artist. And he'd be great at Gunhawk. Because he just drew people great. You know, like, he was a great superhero artist. But superhero artists, you don't have to be that great an artist. Because everyone has a mask on. You don't have to be able to really draw faces that great. Expressions on people's faces. Other than gritty, gr- gritting teeth. Like, more superhero comics. like. But he was just a very, almost like, I don't I don't know if this sounds silly, but like a humanist artist, like when he drew a person, you really got it. Like, oh yeah, 
That's a personality. He's drawing their face like a real person. A lot of comic artists didn't do that. I mean, like, Kevin Maguire could do that in the 80s, but for the most part, like, Jack Kirby, his faces weren't that expressive. It was just like, even some of the greatest comic artists were like, nah, you're not really drawing a recognizable human face that looks like someone I know or could know. But he was so good at that. He just... So, him drawing Ben Hawk, I think will be fucking great. So, next title, Renegade. <clears throat> Basically, the companion to Ben Hawk, because he's Neil West, but he's a Native American. Getting his... Getting in his own adventures. Kind of on the flip side of Ben Hawk. Even though they often have crossovers throughout the years, throughout the decades. Every few issues, it's like, ah, Gunhawk meets up with Renegade again because they live in the same time. But this is going to be good. So taking over Renegade in 1987 is Timothy Truman, which is like, not only is he a great writer and artist, he, it's perfect for him because Timothy Truman, his whole career has had this, done so many Native American themed comics. He did a graphic novel about Tecumseh. Not even just a straight historical thing about Tecumseh's life. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> sorry. He obviously, you know, did Scout, he did Turok. He has, like many kids who grew up in our generation, he's roughly. A little older than me, I think. But roughly my age. Yeah. Something about, like, when you were a kid, reading about Indians in the West and Native Americans, it's like, yeah. It's kind of a... You romanticize that shit. They did live this amazing lifestyle that's very unique compared to European, Asian, all cultures. They were like... I don't know. I don't even know what to call them. Hippie warriors. So, yeah, Timothy Truman taking over Renegade. That's going to be some good shit. Okay, next. Captain Action. Our uh, utilitarian superhero. Um, Paul Smith has taken that over. So, um, Paul Smith, great superhero artist. I don't know what happened to him. I haven't... I don't know if he died. To be honest, I maybe he's doing advertising art or something. Because he was a great artist. And he was the hot shit in the 80s when he took over X-Men. But I can't remember the last time I saw him. Literally, decades. Is he drawing anything? I don't know. Please call me. Or text me and let me know. But... Paul Smith was a damn good superior artist, especially in the 87. So it's going to be a nice looking comic. Next up, Galaxy, Galaxy Core. Our sci-fi action team. In the far-flung future. And um, so imagine like if the Legion of Superheroes were like really fucking kick-ass. That's the Galaxy Core. And they're not teenagers either. 
But um, that's going to be taken over by Kevin O'Neill. And, oh, my God, that would be so good. So just Kevin O'Neill, so good from, like, all the 2008 guys from England. Just so good at science fiction. Creating all the shit you have to create in science fiction. Cool robots, cool technology. Different cultures on different planets. Kevin O'Neill was so good at that. I mean, actually, beyond anyone else. Like... Nemesis Warlock, and I always keep talking about it, but if any of you guys are listening to this and you haven't read Nemesis the Warlock, or at least look at the art by Kevin O'Neill, you got to. It's Nemesis himself is still like, how do you create something like that? That's like something from a nightmare. It's just he he's definitely Kevin O'Neill has got like half of his brain in another dimension or something. I don't know. It's nobody quite has that kind of. I think maybe he's crazy. I don't know. Maybe slightly crazy. But I almost can't believe that a perfectly sane person can draw the way he draws. He's that unique. So I think this could be amazing, him drawing Galaxy Core. I would love to read that comic. Next up, Starhawk, another cosmic comic, which takes place in the present, though, even though he's usually flying around the galaxy. <coughs> and the the solar system getting into various adventures. So Alan Davis is going to take over Starhawk. Once again, 2080 artist, English guy, doing science fiction, you know, What's not to like there? It's going to be a beautiful fucking comic. Because Alan Davis, very different than Kevin O'Neill. Just a very pleasing style. Everything looks really good. I always thought he was like the the John Byrne of Britain. Where just he just has this very pleasing, great style. Okay, Warhawk. Our war hero. He's a our World War Two hero. Though I think I mentioned last time, if I'm not mistaken, I've kind of forgotten a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, since the early eighties, he's finally like he's fought every battle in World War Two over the past, you know, <coughs> thirty five years. <coughs> so we actually. Have Warhawk is now past World War II. He's a mercenary getting into all these adventures all throughout the world. So it's still great adventure. But this is going to be perfect for Warhawk. Especially just because he's like in South America. He's whatever. He's everywhere. He's in China. He's in Vietnam. Or French Indochina at the time. Because these are all probably still the late 40s. Warhawk staying place. And we're going to get Jose Ortiz to draw that. The great Spanish artist. And he's just so good at drawing like gritty. You know, that kind of shit. It's going to be fucking beautiful. Okay, next. Airstrike. Uh, you know. Pretty normal superhero. 
We're getting Kevin McGuire to draw that. I just mentioned him earlier. And uh, just great superhero artist. And once again, a very unique one. Nobody, you could tell a Kevin McGuire face from a mile away. When he just draws a, a face, you know, not many comic artists were like that. There's a lot of great superhero artists, but they kind of drew the same face over and over. The women were different than the men, of course, but yeah, almost everyone looked the same. But Kevin McGuire brought that to comics where he was like, no, I'm going to actually draw different facial expressions on different characters. Just like real people do have, you know. So after that, we got Coyote. Coyote is going to be taken over by Todd McFarlane. Young Todd McFarlane. And I know it's kind of weird because, to be honest, all the artists I mentioned, they're like master cartoonists. I really wouldn't say that about Todd McFarlane. But he does have that really fun superhero shit going on. He never really learned how to draw well, properly. But yet, I gotta be honest, I I was reading his Spider-Mans when he came out. And they really were, like, looked great. Even though, like, I'd look at a face that he drew of Mary Jane and be like, Ew, it's weird. Her eyes are huge. And she looks kind of distorted. He still drew great, just like, I mean, I know this is totally, it sounds like blasphemy, but, you know, like in the 70s, Jack Kirby had that crazy style. It was so good for comics, but it, it was weird. It, it wasn't like, ooh, look at this beautiful illustration, like when you look at Al Williamson or something, or, I know, Russ Heath, but it worked. It was dynamic, and Everything was weird about it. Of course, Jack Kirby, though, knew proportion. He knew the basics. But Tom McFarlane sometimes would be like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know. It worked, though. And there's a reason why people just fucking bought Spider-Man like fucking mad after he started drawing it. And even later on Spawn. So I think it'll be pretty nice to have him drawing Coyote. So Clawfang is the next title, our Barbarian character. And, oh, this is going to be so good. So, taking over Clawfang is Simon Bisley. And Simon Bisley's just like, you probably, if you know Simon Bisley, he came to prominence working for 2000 AD, drawing, Sh- I, I think it's pronounced Schlarn the Berserker, because it's, you know, Celtic. And nothing is pronounced as you think it would be. It looks like slain. But I think I heard somewhere that it's slarned. But it's amazing shit. It's some of the early painted work, artwork in comics. You know, in the 80s, that was a new thing. Guys like Dave McKeon and a few other guys were painting comics. And Simon Bisley, oh my God. Just talk about a singular talent. He's just like, it's like Frank Frazetta put to a blender with kind of sometimes even underground comic artists. There's a little 
hint of that. Everything's a little off. But he can also be super cartoony. Some secondary characters would just be wacky, abstract, cartoony characters. But then he'll like... The main characters would be these amazingly fully painted, rendered, just amazing shit. So, him taking over our barbarian character, Coughing, is going to be fucking great. I'm very, I, I want to read that comic. Next, The Strangers. Our, our third Western title of The Samurai. And a cowboy, and an Indian, and a Zulu warrior who get in various adventures in the Old West. That's going to be taken over by Tony DeZuniga. And he's the Western guy. You know, Mr. Jonah Hex. So, in our amazing comics timeline, he's done all of the Westerns we have. And now it's his time to take over the Strangers. Because. That's what he's great at. So that's going to happen. Miss Nova, our basically Superman character. She's our hot shit Superman. That's going to be taken over by Dave Gibbons. And uh, that'll be great, I think. Perfect. Because Dave Gibbons has a totally nice, clean style. And, you know, this is like our Superman Miss Nova, and you know nothing too dark there. It's like yeah, she's a pure superhero, and uh, I think Dave Gibbons will be great for that. Um, he did do some Superman actually in our universe, in our world, and they were brilliant. Like he gets it. He gets. Yeah, Superman might be corny and old fashioned. And, He's not gritty and cool like Wolverine or uh, or Nomad. But, yes, Superman still obviously has this iconic, you know, gravitas that guys like Dave Gibbons get. Yeah, he's not that morally complex or interesting, but it's still good that he's there. So him drawing his nose is going to be pretty good pretty great actually so after that we got Shade the Changing Man or uh, Steve Ditko created a comic from 1977 but it's still chugging along because it's a great character Steve Ditko did create that character for reals and I wish that comic went on for more than I think it went on for 8 issues or something 7 it's sad. It was like, I wish Shade went up to number 400. It was still being published because great concepts, great design, great costume. You know, like, he could have been a contender, as I say. But Shade will be taken over by Keith Giffen. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but around this time, Keith Giffen's art style started getting wonky. Really, I mean, sadly, a lot of his wonkiness was stolen and plagiarized from other artists. 
and like literally it, there's articles out there or were I don't know if they're still out there where people would like show panels of these South American artists like Sampoyo, Carlos Sampoyo and like he really just ripped him off sometimes. It was like, I like that panel. In my next comic, I'm putting that in my comments. Like, which is weird because Keith Kevin seems like a cool guy. He's worked in the industry for years as an artist and writer. And he's definitely paid homage to artists. Like when he came out pretty soon afterwards, he was like a Kirby imitator in a way, you know. He could do that style. But you could tell you respected it. It wasn't just like, I'm still this, whatever, because I'm lazy. It was true homage. Okay, so after that, we got Eagle. Eagle will be taken over by Mike Zach. I don't think I need to say anything after that. Let's see, like, sure. Why not? Mike Zach's okay. He'll, he'll do a fine job. I you know, I'm not too excited about it, to be honest. Mike Zach never really excited me, but, but he's a good comic artist, I gotta say. So it'll be good. Okay, Tempest Fugitives. Our uh, time comic, time travel group will be taken over by Brian Bolland. So that would be perfect because Brian Bolland could do anything. So, no matter what era the Tempest Fugitives travel to, or what time and space continuum or other galaxy, Brian Bond will be there to delineate it for us perfectly. So, that's, that's great to me. After that, we got Arsenal. And we'll be taken over by George Freeman. I've already rhapsodized about George Freeman. What a great comic artist he was. Well, as far as superheroes. But uh, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next. Vigilante. Uh, our Vigilante character. Our Punisher, if you will. I just go vigilante. Why not? That's going to be taken over by John Severin, which I think would be great. Because, you know, John Severin didn't like superheroes, didn't like drawing them, always did anything else, to be honest. He was great at westerns, great at war comics. He was great at superheroes, but... He he almost was too good for superior art. Like he drew too illustratively. But uh, at the party, or I'm sorry, the party I went to that I mentioned earlier, the birthday party. It was like there were some graphic designer people there who were like, so, so they might know more about uh, this stuff. But, um, oh, wow, I'm fading. Okay, one more title. I'm excited about this. Avatar. Our, uh, basically like our Hindu Thor. Our comic where there's a superhero. 
but he's very tied into the Hindu mythos. And so, but that's going to be taken over. Fuck me. By Brendan McCarthy. This is also echoing back to our reality. You know, if you like Brendan McCarthy, kind of like a cult character in comics where anyone who knows Brendan McCarthy is fucking off him. But, you know, he never had a run on the X-Men there. Where it's like, oh, yeah, that guy, Brendan McCarthy. I mean, I was like that just because I stumbled on his work when I was like 14 and 15. And I was like, instant fan forever. And um, he's the guy who co-directed Mad Max Fury Road just because he was so brilliant. George Miller, the director of all the Mad Max, he was just like, okay, let's help me direct this movie. Even if it's all in your head. Because he went to film school, this guy. But he never really pursued it. It's like one of those dreams. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I guess we'll be back next week or, or not. Wait, you wanna? Oh wow! Okay, I think I'm done. That's 1987. I I think I got all the art artists with shoes. Yeah, I did it. That's good because I'm falling asleep. I just dropped my phone, and I think I did fall asleep. I I'll listen later to see how long I was silent. Not that I can edit it, but. Thank you for listening, and uh, tune in again next time when we'll be doing uh, 1988, probably 1992. And um, I feel like I'm missing something, but it doesn't matter, because I'll tell you next time. But uh, have a good night, everybody. Bye.